this is what the book's about. He goes into like how basically like we go from propaganda to like uh, media companies selling us toys as kids. Like in the 80s, like it becomes a huge thing with He-Man where the show is actually made to sell toys, not the other way around. Yeah. yeah. And a big thing that happened was like Marvel made like Transformers comics, but it was only to sell toys, literally only to sell toys. So they weren't allowed to make uh, toy commercials. They like passed this like really strict law. They weren't allowed to market toys to kids that way. So they just made a show that was just a giant commercial, which is like He-Man, Transformers. But it goes deeper than that. And like they get us when we're kids. So now we love these characters. And when we grow up, there's like an emotional attachment. Like we're all like that. Like that's... You know, like for better or worse, that's so that's what the book talks about, how like nostalgia is like this really strong thing that ties us to the past, but it could be harmful. How many issues is it or how long is it? It's 240 pages. Okay. Just I'm just asking because I'm probably that sounds super interesting and I'm probably going to check it out after. No, yeah, it's a great, it's really good. You could, it's not like a comic comic, right? You could read that in an afternoon, Cody, you for sure. Mm-hmm. So it's not like, um, it's black and white. It's, you know, very, I don't want to call him minimalist, but he's not Alex Ross, you know, like, yeah. actually, hold on. I have one of his books right here. Like, this is what the art looks like. Like, it's this, it's this style. Nice. Nice. Cool. Is that the Andre one? Uh, this is the cannabis one. Nice. So even at the end of the book, he's like, look, I, I'm just the same way as everybody else. Like when I, I, I bought into baby Yoda and all that shit, you know, like he, he's into he. So like, I think it, we could ask him like, so like what toys he collected as a kid, we could talk about Hell that, yeah. you know, like we could have a real conversation with him. That's super easy. That's just what the book's about. I mean, we all collected toys. We all have some weird fixation with I Star still Wars. Do. Or, I still do. Collect exactly. Toys. So <laughs> we got this. That's all. So Jake, you're a slave to these media corporations. I'm a yeah. Slave <laughs> for <Yeah>. you. <laughs> Britney Spears shout out. Shout out. <laughs> <laughs> First ever Britney Spears shout out on Comics and Chronic. <laughs> we need to do that more. <laughs> Britney shout Spears. out Britney Spears. Yeah. <laughs> I support Britney Spears, man. Yeah, Imagine yeah, we get her on the podcast. That would be insane. She does. We could. We could. Let's do it. Let's, Let's DM her. Spears. Yeah, she'll, she'll come on. She'll come on. <laughs> 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 to our comics and weed podcast. She yeah, would love. <laughs> She's a character, man. I follow her on Instagram. Yeah, I mean. She- She's a little loopy, loopy Tuesdays. Dude, I can't wait. Just a couple weeks until we're Loopy Tuesdays. Hey. The world is not ready. Yeah. Nor will it ever be. That's true. Jake, you look like a member of the Fantastic Four. Like, that's what your shirt is. It's like I'm talking to Reed <laughs> Richards right now. I look like a member of the Fantastic Four. Because <laughs> it's like just blue and I see a little white, so it's almost like the fours coming up. Oh, that'd be cool. Yeah, yeah, I see that. I don't want to be a member of the Fantastic Four. <laughs> well, that's they what you're stuck, stuck as now. You're Johnny Storm, for sure. All right, I'll be Johnny Storm. And Cody's the thing. We That that has Cody's to be. Definitely. And you're the Invisible Woman. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> the you could be Mr. member. You could be Mr. Yeah, she is, actually. You could be Mr. Fantastic. <laughs> yeah, I, I would. I'd be Mr. Fantastic. I, just, I, like, I, think, I don't like him necessarily, but I don't hate him. Yeah, no. I think Mr. Fantastic and Invisible Woman are just suck. <laughs> if I'm being, if I'm honest, I don't give a shit about any of them. I know, we know. We've talked yeah, about Yeah, we about know your here. hate runs deep. 
I is also don't family, care for you know? them. I just like don't like them. I was like, show me something cooler. Yeah, exactly. It's not like I actively hate them as much as I just don't care. You just don't respect the OG. We're like fantastic snore. Yeah, fantastic <laughs> bore. Yeah. <laughs> Puts me to sleep. Yeah. Put some respect on Fantastic Four. It's like I can't I can't show stand me, by. Show me something to respect. Yeah, Actually, how about how about next time instead of uh, a Spider-Man comic, you suggest some Fantastic Four? I comic. got. Yeah. Let's. I know exactly which one to pick, and I oh, don't know. Andy's you guys won't got hate it in the chamber. We won't <laughs> hate you. It's Hickman. It's Jonathan Hickman. We. He's our boy. All right. Let's see. I'll see it. I don't know. Jake, have you been reading uh, Manhattan Projects? Dude, you know it. No, you <laughs> have not. <laughs> I, I read the confident. first issue. Dude, it's crazy, isn't it? It is crazy. Yeah. The first issue has such a great twist. Yeah, I like the first issue. I'll read it. Oh, guys, he's here, by the way. So I'm going to let him in in a second. What's his name again? Brian. Okay, so yeah, his name is Brian. Brian (laughs) Box Brown or Brian Brown. And the book is called The He-Man Effect. Okay. Nice. Let's do this, bro. All right, here we go. How's it going, Brian? What's going on, guys? Thanks so much for coming on. Yeah, How are you doing to today? Th- thank you for having me. I worked today. I'm ready to cut loose. Do you, do you partake in uh, smoking? Oh, yeah, definitely. <laughs> 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 I got like this, uh, this like weird device that I have. I want to try it. Ooh. I think it's like uh, electric. Uh, like you can put this in here. Whoa. And then it like vapes your shit. Through the bong. Yeah. Whoa. I haven't uh, tried it yet. Science. Yeah, that would be this honestly is, an honor to have on if you yeah, want to do set it on a comics and chronic exclusive. <laughs> I don't know how to how it works though, at like at all, or if it's charged. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But uh, I just I have been wanting to try that out. It's, so I did like some work for Grav Labs. You know that? Uh, yeah. I did some work for Grav Labs, and now they send me stuff all the time, like new products and stuff. Right. And uh, so they cool. sent they sent me that the other day, and I was like, "Oh, nice!" <laughs> and th- they actually sent me this this uh, little bubbler here too. Ooh, That's nice. I really like that. Yeah, yeah, Grav Labs makes really good pieces. I like their stuff. The dude that designs all their shit is like really good. But yeah, I, I think they're really cool because they like just make pieces that are like functional and affordable for like everybody. Yeah. By the way, this episode is not brought to you by right, uh, Grav Labs. Grav Labs. <laughs> yeah. But if they want um, us, yeah, unless they want it to be, then exactly. give us a holler. Slide in our DMs. Free <laughs> promo right there. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I'm assuming based on like uh are you're West Coast based, right? No, I'm in Philadelphia. Oh, oh nice. okay, yeah. nice. Yeah. Yeah. 
Nice. Wait, so is weed legal in Pennsylvania? So, um, no. Um, we... <laughs> I mean, not we that have, we care about following the law, yeah, but... No, no, <laughs> we, uh, we, um, decriminalized, um, in Philly. Mm-hmm. Although they still arrest people, like, you, you can, you, you can get, like, a you know, uh, it's like a $25 ticket for... But they small, can still arrest small possession. You. Somehow people still get arrested though. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, if you can imagine like no white people ever get arrested for it. Right. But like yeah. they obviously still fuck with people. Yeah. Um, also like uh our DA in Philly, uh Krasner is like super he like won't prosecute any like weed crimes or anything like that. He's like super progressive. And like all the cops hate him so much. So much, <laughs> but uh, so we have that going on, and, and it is we have like medical here in in uh, PA. Um, the market is really bad. It's like all uh, MSOs. I think there's um, I think there's like two functioning companies that are like maybe three that are PA. Like they just like were PA small businesses, kind of. Um, the rest of the market is all all the big players. It's like True Leave, Cresco. Yeah. Um, all those guys. Yeah, we uh I'm your neighbor to the southwest West Virginia. Okay. Uh so I I'm like an hour south of Pittsburgh essentially. And uh So did they didn't they have medical in, in We West just Virginia. got medical okay. and as soon as we did there it's been like truly oh yeah, yeah yeah opening up and that's like really all you know west virginia's always been like hey we're gonna let the corporations fuck us so that's yeah. no surprise you know <laughs> yeah well do you guys have home grow there uh i don't think i i don't know for sure if i'm being honest i'm like just like clinging to having to go to my dude's house you <laughs> yeah. know what i mean like that's just a tradition i don't want to leave behind i'm not ready to leave behind yet <laughs> honestly like um i was talking to this dude about this the other day like what they did was they didn't like legalize the market and like the culture that we're all used to mm. like that stuff is still illegal they yeah. like legalized this other thing in terms of sales it's like a whole nother group of people that have different different like desires and needs and wants and everything and then there's this whole other cultural traditional market that exists right next to it and and um has like most of the customer base yeah, for sure. And my guy will always have better prices too. Yeah, so I mean, that's it's like better exactly. prices, better selection because, like, you know, there's no, you know, it's the traditional market. So shut stuff's going over state lines. It's not like they're pretending that it's not. So you're getting stuff, the best stuff from my one dude in Philly. Like he just has the best rising like from all over the country. Like nice. all the all those dudes that you see like on Instagram that are like, you know, pressing gas and whatever, you know that you can get it yeah and then in the uh in the legal market it's like you know you go and you get they have like a, a it's like a a facsimile of what you're getting yeah. on the other market it's like kind of like weed i mean it is but it's like you know just not up to snuff quality wise for sure and expensive and and just like you know plus you're also supporting like people who are um, lobbying against consumer and patient best wishes like, yeah. like, all the time. Exactly. Yeah. Um, speaking of rosin, 
So I'm like really high, and I've been high for the past like hour and a half. <laughs> uh, my buddy and I, he has a dab rig in his car, and he he does rosin and all that shit, and it just floored me. He has a dab rig. <laughs> Had a mini panic attack. <laughs> for sure, thought for like a solid 15 minutes I was going to have a heart attack. <laughs> and then it finally subsided, and I've just been like, like does he have a does he have like a proxy or something he, he has like a full-on like rig he has a torch and everything in his car <laughs> right in his car i see him on his lunch breaks he just fucking <laughs> hits that shit some <laughs> of my friends i don't know if it is but like switching from flower to that stuff like i have a friend who also has a, a full rig in his car torch and everything yeah and then i'll like offer flower and he's like oh i can't smoke that and drive and I'm it is true though I, I'm, I, if I'm being honest like um, I stopped like using flour for a long time I was just using rosin and mostly rosin I, I was on other concentrates for a while before that but now it's like all rosin and, and um, now you know what though I, I appreciate smoking flour all the time now because it's it's literally not as strong as rosin but like a different feeling like it hits different exactly there's different uh there's different like one thing i noticed right away when you smoke can when you smoke flour you get like relaxation in your eyes like you feel like Mm -hmm. ocular (laughs) like relaxed (laughs) that's when you're like your eyes are like shut or whatever yeah when you do dabs like that doesn't really happen you don't you like don't literally don't feel the relaxation in your eyes i don't feel relaxation period when i do dabs i feel like like instant horror (laughs) (laughs) like existential like just crises yeah like uh, i mean same i uh norm there was one time we were driving back from a wedding and i hit jake's dab pen too many times and i had to pull off on the side of the highway and be like dude you gotta take over um i was freaking out it's <laughs> it true intense. um sometimes shit just like hits you a certain way and you're like whoa like i didn't even think that was working <laughs> <laughs> yeah, i always like i always so like forget that you know it takes like um a, a minute or two or like three or four minutes to like really kick in yeah. when you're really like in it yeah sometimes i get like really good rosin and i'm like really excited to try it I do a dab and I exhale and I'm like, man, what the fuck? Like this shit, this shit's like not even that good. And then like five minutes later, I'm like, (laughs) 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 it's cool. I've been working with this uh, farmer in Maine and he's, uh, you know, trying out all these different things with this, with his rosin and growing all these different strains. And I would imagine like in a, in a perfect world, this would kind of be like a lot a, a lot of what where people would be getting their cannabis from where it would be like and not necessarily everybody's gonna be growing their own weed but uh, you know everybody's like it's easy it's easy and I, and I think that everybody should be able to but i don't think it's easy i think it's really hard like i have like no, no green thumb or anything i've killed like every plant i've touched like <laughs> it's not easy in my opinion to like or at least there's a learning curve right yeah, like you have to go through a few cycles before you're really, and then even then, you know, it's a lifetime to like master and really start growing like really nice uh, cannabis. And I think that like um, in a in a in a real like perfect world, it would be more like you have one farmer 
that is providing like a grow collective where you're like supporting the farmer and it doesn't have to, he doesn't even need that many customers really um, like a small amount of regular customers that have some say in what's being grown and how it's being done processes and all that stuff. You know, that type of thing seems completely natural. And like, that's how the legal cannabis kind of started, like in California with these grow collectives. And that is like not possible, like in any state, <laughs> like it is in a few, but like very, very rarely is like the most natural way to, you know, do this uh, legal. It's all yeah. like this complicated, overcomplicated system. Like, well, I'm in like New York City and it, it seems like they completely fucked it up. Like, yeah, no, they did. No, no, they did. Everyone did, though. I, I really don't think, you know, there's maybe, you know, uh, you can say like Portland, Oregon, maybe. And there are some states Colorado. where Colorado. Yeah. I mean, like the people are always like, we don't want to make the same mistakes Colorado made. I'm like, they had like the best launch ever like and like they were like the first law and everybody screwed it up worse after that um but but really like uh no one really has captured like the whole uh traditional market into the legal market like because it's it has to remain simple you know like what has to ideally it wouldn't be like we're creating this whole new set of laws it's we're getting rid of a law we're getting rid of the law that says cannabis is illegal. Yeah. And let's start there. Just get rid of that and see what happens. Then, you know, if the, if this market that's working fine doesn't work out, then, you know, we'll figure some other way. But there's there's definitely other ways to allow the people that are currently doing this work to do it legally and just like pay their taxes yeah, without yeah. like creating a fucking goddamn labyrinth of regulations and, and, and um, you know, hoops to jump through, I, you know, it's, it's cynical, but it really, you have to start thinking about have these States set up cannabis to fail on purpose. That's what I was just thinking. You saying all that is making me think, yeah, they're legalizing it, but to what extent? To to like a part of it's just like oh look this why bother I mean look at this it's a, it's not even in worthwhile, but you know it's because none of them end up with the the outcomes that they say in the beginning they're always like oh we're gonna get in the in the black market and they never ever ever do because yeah. you can't just end the black market you're not just you can't what we learned with the war on drugs is you can't end it with force <laughs> like it just yeah. can't be done you know you have to transfer all those people over into legal you have to reach the, it should be like a big olive branch yeah. you know and, and it's like it's not it's it's a way to suck money out uh, you know there's people that say that the you know prop 64 in california was set up to destroy the california cannabis industry and it kind of did like so many businesses have gone out of business and have been unable to convert their prop 215 license to their prop 64 license you know they've shed tons of businesses that are just gone what was the, in the proposition exactly uh they just changed it from so prop 215 was great because it it allowed it had very broad language and allowed for a lot of different a lot of things but it was a medical only law so the whole industry in California, legal industry, was medical. And Prop 64 changed everything to regular adult use and forced everybody to 
to get this license instead oh, instead of instead of the prop 215 license you know that would be like ended or whatever so you had to get this other license which was like impossible businesses that have been in business for like 10 15 years couldn't get it together to go through the hoops to like get the new license to allow them to do the same thing that they were already doing um, and, and went out of business. I mean, it's sad. A lot of, it happened a lot, you know, in big place in, in uh, Mendocino County, which is like, there was like 10,000 grows there at some point, like, um, and now there's, you know, under a thousand and, you know, very few legal, like we have been able to, to convert to legal. So like, I don't know. I mean, like these guys, it's not like they go away. It's like they can't be legal, get this legal license. It's not like they just like die. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they just sell illegally. I mean, like it's just the same. We're doing the same dance over and again. Yeah. You know, I, I don't, it, until somebody takes it seriously and we see, see some people doing it, taking it seriously, but it's, it's it, it, this whole government thing is like difficult, man, because there's like so many like there's all right so you have like the firmly anti-cannabis people that are like you know the, the the hardcore conservative types right yeah and then you have also the uh people that want to legalize it but have completely shitty intentions for wanting to legalize like they just want to strip yeah. the industry for out of as much money as possible right mm -hmm. and then this tiny little sliver over here is like people with good intentions that want to like actually do it right and like recognize like the potential and so and all these all these interests have their own like lobbying people like the whole mso like all of those people have their own state um what's that called like a uh, lobbying arm like they do it together it's called a uh, coalition or whatever yeah. of, of these like kind of yeah yeah they have like this little union that they, they they all this company lobbies for everybody in this group which is like the pa cannabis council or something like that which is like every mso and so they they have that like in every state and so like that it's a trade group whatever that that those groups are in the state houses lobbying and they're getting people on board that are just like, yeah, like, you know, there's a guy in PA that Dan Lachlan and he like is this conservative guy from Erie, Pennsylvania that is like, wants to be like this edgy Republican dude. So he's like, I'm going <laughs> to sponsor the weed bill. Right. And it's going to be like this bipartisan bill or whatever with this guy from Philly. And He's just like, doesn't know shit about weed at all. Like he doesn't know anything about why things are good or bad or like whatever. He'll like, he'll like release language to the activists expecting us to be like, Oh, this is great. Like, thank you so much. And we're like, dude, this is terrible. Like, what were you thinking? Like, this is just like, why would you do this? You know, at, and so it's like, that's the advocate, you know, <laughs> that's the guy that's going to bat for cannabis meanwhile he's like almost like a laughing stock to his own in his own party and, <laughs> and 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 the other guy that he's working with you know has been like this cannabis guy you know forever but has he gotten anything done really no he's always but he always is in the center of all the cannabis 
talk. And so like, he always gets tons of media. And so like, I don't know if this dude, what his intentions are either. And so like, these are the people that are out there fighting for, for us. Like they're not, there's very few, you know, very, very few. They really care. Yeah. You know, I've talked to a few uh, politicians where I, or, or like, you know, regulator legislators where I'm like, this person seems like a normal, like one of my friends or something. And it'll be like somebody from Maine, a very small district in Maine, where like this is their part-time job. It's like unpaid job or something. You know what I mean? Like that's what their representatives and they have like normal level-headed thoughts about things. Like not everybody is like this crazy, just trying to get votes and on a broader scale or broad in Philadelphia. It's like everybody wants to get national attention over dumb shit. You know, these guys aren't looking for that because it's like not <laughs> no like the national media is never really goes to Maine to like figure out what they're doing or talk to them at all. And so you, the legislators are just like regular people. And then it, you end up with laws in states like that, that make a little bit more sense. Like the main medical system is amazing. Like it's totally like, it, first of all, it's accessible to anyone with a medical card in any state. Pretty nice. much. They say PA is like the only holdout where like, Technically, they're not supposed to tell, sell it to you if you have a PA medical card, but like I would say, like fifty percent of them still do because it's it's more on your shoulders than it is on theirs. But they have great, you know, the ac- accessibility there is amazing. And so, like, if you have a little farm on your property, you can like grow your cannabis in a medical sense for patients. And then the law is broadened enough that you can take your medicine that you made for patients and sell it to a dispensary who can actually like sell it to whomever like tourists and stuff and like and you can actually get out and operate in the market as like a small business but again that's the medical that's like this established medical market that's been there since the 90s and their adult use system even in maine is shitty (laughs) like very few of these medical companies again like california have been able to convert to adult use because of the level of regulations that are different in those two laws. And so that's how they like keep the small business out. That's how they keep traditional market out. And that's how they keep the culture out. And that's why legal weed sucks balls. (laughs) Not everywhere, not everywhere, I guess. It's hard to say that with a broad stroke, but you know, in many States, many companies, it's very bad. Um, that makes sense. You are crazy informed about all of this. It's <laughs> <laughs> ridiculous, isn't it? <laughs> um, this is what happened is that I became a medical patient here. First of all, I like have been smoking weed since like whatever. I was a teenager. And, um, you know, uh, it was like, you know, when states started legalizing, I was like often like on my a book tour and uh, I'd be like in Seattle. I remember that was like the first time I went to a dispensary and I was like, this is fucking amazing. Like it was crazy. Like I was just never seen anything like it at the time. Like so much to choose from. I was like, oh my God, like I don't even know what to get. I was like buying everything. And like I couldn't stop going back to the store. I went like every day. Um, <laughs> like I had weed. I would just be like, oh, but they have other stuff. This is a different <laughs> store, you know? And I was so thrilled waiting for that, you know, when it, when I heard that they were going to have dispensaries and PA and in Philly, I was like, they're going to open one like in our neighborhood. It's going to be like right there. And, um, and I was like, this is fucking awesome. 
it's going to be just like that one in Seattle or like just like that one in Colorado. And then they opened up and I was like, this is, I was like, first of all, the prices are like double or triple what I'm paying like my dude. Yeah. Yeah. For a long time, it was like that where they were like crazy high prices. And then it like came down to where it was like 10, 15, 20 bucks more on each thing where I was like, all right, it's close enough. Like they have a big selection, (laughs) you know, I'll give it a shot. And then, so a few things happen, right? You go in first, you're like, I'll try everything. It's like uh, when I used to deliver, I would like deliver food for restaurants and like eventually you just eat everything on the menu. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) So (laughs) it's like that, like you go try everything. Right. And uh, you start to realize like one, $15 per product adds up really quickly over the weeks and months. Uh, And also like, Quality wise, it's just not hitting like at all. And the products, and I was like looking at this market and I was like, why is this so fucking shitty? And I was just getting so frustrated. I'm like, this is bad. This isn't how it's supposed to be. Like, why? Blah, blah, blah. And then I just became like obsessed with it and, (laughs) and, uh, was just like constantly talking about it and like arguing about it, yelling about it. And, but I didn't, but like no one cared when I was just like typing on Twitter and being like, this is bullshit for this reason. But I feel like I learn a lot about like weed current events and like, so legalization nation, I I love seeing that. And I feel like I I learned so much from you that I just don't hear anywhere else, you know? So, So, yeah. So that's like why I did it. I was like, no one's talking. I'm like, the weed media is not talking about the weed media. Yeah. There's like a huge, the weed weed journalist, big big media. So there are weed, there are weed journalists for sure. Like, um, that there's, that's their whole career. I have a friend who, you know, she was doing that for the longest time, you know, freelance weed journalists. But the thing is, is that in the weed media, it's all funded by the companies that sell the weed. And so they don't want it. They don't want news about why they suck (laughs) on their their website. And so there's not a lot of like investigative news. There's a lot of promotion news. There's a lot of celebrity news like that always gets national news when, you know, some celebrity does some shit like Ric Flair and Mike Tyson. (laughs) You know, those guys get tons of press, like nonstop press about their like little stupid weed brand <laughs> but like there's no like 60 minutes of weed or like you know i don't know like uh npr or like investigative frontline documentaries about this stuff and there's a whole like so much like shenanigans going on um and so like that's why i like made legalization nation was to like at least talk about this stuff and like i don't know I've made a lot of friends and enemies in the industry, like for sure. Um, like some people are, some people get mad very quickly because you're just like exposing them. They just don't like that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, there's a lot of people that are into the weed industry for money and stock people and, you know, and people that are in it for the wrong reasons, kind of. That makes sense. You kind of talking about the way you did about strain. So let me try to do the the weirdest segue, maybe like uh, <laughs> because the way you're saying like a celebrity attached to a strain or like a edible or something might make me go out and buy it. You know, I'm thinking about your book. I'm thinking about the He-Man effect and how uh, yeah. like first of all, okay, reading that, I'm reading it and I'm like, I feel really bad. 
Like <laughs> I fell for this hook, line, and sinker. Like this <laughs> is me. This is still me. And so yeah. at the end, when you say no, I, I feel the same things that I'm talking yeah. about. It made me feel so much better. But like I feel like I feel the that way about strains now that we're talking about it. Like, oh, I'm gonna go for that one because oh. Uh, okay, Rick and Morty, bad example. I'm not going to go yeah. for that. But if like Goku was like powering up on yeah, a baggie, yeah. some guy had him, yeah. they'd be like, yeah, I'm, I'm yeah. smoking that. Well, let me tell you, there's a dude, a rosin dude <laughs> named Professor Sift that has like off like bootleg Dragon Ball Z stuff. And it's just supposed yeah. to be really good. I never got it, but it looks <laughs> awesome. <laughs> but for sure, like when I was saying like, when I first went to those dispensaries and I kept, I would like go back every day. A lot of that I think was like being intoxicated by the packaging and, and all that stuff. Like, you know, the first time you see that for weed, you're, when you're used to getting just like a baggie or maybe a jar or something. One of my guys was giving it to me in like, uh, like the, the baggie you used to pick up dog shit. He's like, this is all I had left. <laughs> yeah. Like I, I think of it how many times I bought weed like at a bar. That was like inside the cellophane on the bottom of someone's cigarettes. It was just like yeah. up at the <laughs> bottom. Oh, for sure. <laughs> you know? And yeah. then and then one day there's like fucking weed pack like colorful packaging. Yeah. Yeah. It works, man. I really do. I mean, I think at that that was kind of like when I was working on started working on the He-Man effect. And I was like going to the dispensary. I'm like, dude, this is, I'm doing it. I'm doing the thing. <laughs> um, you know, like, and, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's funny because like, I'm also at the same time often, uh, arguing that weed companies should have more leeway for in packaging because <laughs> <laughs> they, they always, um, you know, I always think the packaging laws are ridiculous where it's like, you can't promote the product really at all. Like in Canada, you can only put your logo on the package and it has to be like a very extremely simple logo. And that's it. No other packaging at all. Huh. Damn. And they did that. So it wouldn't appeal to teens, you know, like it's hard to make, it's hard to say that they are wrong. Right. You know, <laughs> <laughs> but, but also as an illustrator, you know, I look at like, uh, if you look at like, um, uh, uh craft beer, like, labels on cans and stuff and even wine it, it that's how that's what sells the product i mean yeah. it's like that's huge i mean especially wine i mean like that's that's all you know huge thing and it's great for illustrators and and uh, and you can see it happening on in the traditional market and in some states where it, you know it's you know they have more leeway but they have crazy weed packaging like crazy shit like all kinds of stuff and i think that like you know, I want, <laughs> it's appealing. I see why they do it. Mm -hmm. and, and at the same time, like, I also like want to make it. I like, I want to do that because it's fun and cool. I mean, like, <laughs> that'd be so cool. Yeah. But like, yeah, you're right. Like you do, you know, we fall for the bad and it's all, it's all market. It's all advertising and marketing. And like, you know, this was something that happened on like a huge, a scale, like a national scale. You know, um, it was, uh, and, you know, the, the 80s kids were like the first generation where it was just like unfettered advertising access to the childhood brain. And I think that like no one really saw, I don't think anybody saw negative consequences to it like at all mm -hmm. until much later on until until we saw like until people were like adults or whatever, because it seemed like it was just like a natural thing. I mean, like. 
people, those action figure companies, Mattel, those toy companies made tons of money. And, you know, that's the American way. And, you know, they were profitable. The kids loved them. Like I loved T-Man. Like I, but it turns out like I loved T-Man like too much. Like I just like, it's this intense, like, <laughs> you know, um, <laughs> this, I, you know, I, I got the idea, I think from making, for making the book because I was like buying old T-Man toys and, and nice. And like looking back, I, I was getting, I bought like this Sears catalog from like 1986 and I was just like pouring over those, those are expensive too. Those are like hard to come by. There were like a dime a dozen in 1986. Like everybody had one for free. They sent them to you. And, uh, but it was like this thick catalog like this, of like every product they sold at Sears, but like 20 pages of it were like toys. Oh yeah. I remember I'm the same way. Yeah, man. I poured over these things, man. And so, like, I got the Sears catalog, and I was like, oh, yeah, man. Like, this is so great. Like, it was, like, so... And, like, the feeling of nostalgia was, like, literally, like, I could, like, feel, like, my face vibrating almost. Or, like, it's this feeling, like, of, like, wanting to be there. Or, like, I could, like, smell the memory somehow. Or, like, it's this, like, really, 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 like, intense, intense feeling. And then, like, I went to a toy convention. And I, it was like packed with people buzzing, like people buying and selling, like, and I'm just looking around and I'm like, damn, like that advertising in like 1982 is still paying dividends for like hundreds of businesses, like across the country. And I just was like, and I'm like, yeah, like there's Transformers movies. Like, it's just like never ending. And then I just like, just opened up the whole floodgates and then just went back through the whole, the whole thing. And, um, definitely also watching the, uh, if you read the if you read the book, you might want to watch this. It's kind of like a long documentary, but it's called "The Century of Self." I have seen that. I have seen that. So when you talked about Edward Bernays, I was like, "Oh, I know Edward yeah, yeah. Bernays." That so, piece of shit. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> that's that was part of it too. Like watching that, and um, and that's really great. It's like a four part documentary about advertising basically and 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 the 20th century and like you know the impression that all of this commerce like made on the on the population right and like where they got the idea for it and you know it's adam curtis so yeah he's great yeah and he's he's awesome and and but he also like makes you feel like it's like the end of the world like, yeah that, i do love watching it for that reason like <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah. fuck everything yeah like fucked. oh yeah exactly like, <laughs> uh yeah uh, it's like intense but it's true though i mean like you know we're being bought sold all the time like it's just endless. Uh, it's it's they know how to do it now. I mean, I think that it was something that they stumbled upon, kind of maybe, but maybe not. Maybe it was always there. But like, I think the goal is really to have everyone's most cherished memories that stick with you for your entire life have like the Disney brand on them or the Mattel brand. I mean, look at the Barbie movie. I mean, like it's pays yeah. dividends. It's paying dividends. Yeah, you know, I almost want to buy like all the uh, bluey toys or something now, uh, and like just save them for twenty years. I mean, it'd be easy money. I mean, yeah. <laughs> sell it back to the kid to the, the their adults. I mean, like it's gonna happen to that. But it's gonna happen to my kids. I think they watch that show and play with the toys and uh, stuff. And that's not a bad show at all. Bluey's like no, I feel like everyone Bluey's loves great. Bluey. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, Bluey is totally good messaging and funny and and, and not. You know, I I don't think that their goal really is to sell Bluey toys, but there are Bluey toys. What is Bluey? Bluey is a kids TV show that 
is probably aimed at the same demographic as He-Man was when I was a kid, but it's a about a dog, a dog family that lives in Australia. And, uh, they're all dogs and it's just like adorably wholesome and funny. And also like the show that has the most like pooping and farting and peeing in it. They normalize it. I guess. Yeah, they really do. (laughs) Australian people, I think are just like into like a little bit more toilet humor than, than, than America can handle. (laughs) Like if this was an American show that the editors of the show would be like, no, yeah, not that's yeah. enough with the peeing and the farting and the shitting. Like, no. but uh, it, they do go for it. It's very good, very funny show. Anyway, <laughs> that <laughs> that you know, in in twenty years, when my son's uh, in his early twenties or whatever, mid twenties, late twenties, whatever it is, at some point he's going to go back and he's going to watch Bluey, and it's going to like spark this crazy feeling. And then he's going to be like, oh, man, I got to get the old Bluey toys. And he's going to go on eBay and be like, oh, yeah, yes. But the important thing to remember about all this, right, yeah. is that like that feeling is like a, as human as anything. Like that is something that we are like born with. And it's for some reason evolutionarily important and it's powerful. But it's also like not true. Like... You can't, I would, you wouldn't go back and say He-Man is without a doubt the best action figure ever. You know what I'm saying? Like, uh, or, but this happens a lot in, in other regards, right? Like, so uh, in pro wrestling, people often are like, dude, everybody's, you know, these people all suck now. Like the best dude was Jake the Snake Roberts and like everybody else, you know, and, and they'll really sincerely make this argument. uh, But it's really just because like you were 10 when you saw Jake Stick Roberts and that's why <laughs> it did so, you know, burn so brightly in your memory yeah, or like it happens. I was talking to a dude about real sports, how it happens like with baseball and stuff. And people will be like, no, the best team ever was like the 1996 Yankees or whatever, or like the 1965 Yankees or something like that. And, um, you know, even though by like every measure, athletes are far superior today than they have ever been. And they constantly keep getting better. Like world records always break. You know, um, if you put Babe Ruth up against guys now, now, a hundred years later, he wouldn't be able to play the game at all. So the dangerous side of this, right. Is in things like in politics and in, it's a big, such a big, not just politics, but like in society it can be like such a big motivator you know make america great again is an appeal to nostalgia it's saying that remember when you were a kid how you know that feeling of like how wonderful it was and like you know the 50s and everything was great and and, and in your memory they're like yeah it was great i want to go back there so much and like that feeling but like that thing that they want to go back to didn't exist it wasn't like that. It was just that you're it, that feeling about that time period is so powerful, but it's not real. And so like it gets used by, by people. And when, when you start, when you start really saying that, you know, things were truly better in the sixties, like, well, what does that really mean? It means that things were better for white people back then, but it was horrible. You know what I'm saying? Like Mm -hmm. for other people. And so it's not, it's 
obviously factually it not real like in every way was not better you know we had people died younger like we had less access to medicine all these different things but it's that that feeling of nostalgia makes people think that it's so great that we have to go back to this imagined place uh it's messed up but it's funny that you bring up wrestling because especially wrestling like I, I I was a huge fan in the '90s, obviously, and and when I revisited it in recent years, I'm just like, oh my god, what? Like, why did I even like this? Like to to say like the Attitude Era is the best. It's like, well, that's the nostalgia talking easily, mm-hmm. and then it has layers because out of every toy I collected, wrestling figures were like the thing that I just like made my parents like just spend money on <laughs> all the time because wrestlers always have new attire and there's always a new wrestler debuting. I just needed the whole roster and 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 in the he-man effect you talk about how like kids need imaginative play like that's so important for them um and i was saying so my wife's like a uh, she's a pre-k teacher and like she she stresses this all the time how like kids today maybe like might use an ipad or something and that has like no imaginative play yeah when i was a kid i would i would like make all the storylines with my wrestlers right like i would i would like do things you would never see on tv even if i was like mimicking like the attitude era but eventually in life i actually joined the um wwe writing team for a little while what sick so so it's kind of surreal like thinking about that like yeah it it's not like the best thing for everybody to be like obsessed with toys and like doing that but it it it, like influenced my life so much that it like put me in a career that was like connected directly to it no that's amazing um i think that like the thing with imaginative play that gets to be a problem now is that People, uh, the kids are so able to see this, the content over and over again. Like, you know, before that, like you'd see Star Wars in the movie theater, when, like when it came out, whatever. Maybe, like, I know a dude that went to go see it like 10 times, like it, in like the, the first few years it was out, but like they're not watching it over and over again, like a thousand times nonstop. And what happens is like there's less kids imagining that they're Luke Skywalker and going on some crazy mission that they're making up, like you're saying, like some new thing Mm -hmm. and a lot more of reading the exact script that they have memorized because they've seen it like a billion times. Mm. So it, it, it takes away from that, that imaginative play and does it more like scripting Mm. where you're copying exactly what, you know, um, yeah, I mean, I used to do that too. Like that was what I, what I would play with my uh, wrestling buddies when, when I was a kid. They had these little pillow guys. Yes, like, I had a whole coke in one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, I remember. Wrestling. And I would like, I had like my own character. Like I was like the, I, I was like a metalhead. That was my character. Nice. And I and uh, <laughs> I would like play entrance music. This is like in my bedroom. I would like play some heavy metal song and come come out and be like yeah you know <laughs> and then like beat up hulk hogan with my for like an hour like the matches were epic man like they <laughs> yeah. were going on forever and uh you know that was like the whole that was how i'd play you know wait did you have a gimmick name i was called the metal man the metal man <laughs> <laughs> and uh <laughs> i remember like writing stories about it and stuff like and it was this was i was like an 10 or something you know be like in school they'd be like you know write something i'd be like oh, metal man was fighting rick flair and blah 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 
Um, <laughs> uh, so, awesome. you know, it, yeah, that's why I had to, I added that afterward though, because I'm like, I, I'm recognizing that all this stuff took place while at the same time being like, it's un, you can't make yourself stop feeling nostalgia. Yeah. Like you can't make that go away. But I think it's like, you have to recognize the, bad side of it and like or just like the power of it and how easily that could be manipulated mm. uh, and is manipulated yeah I mean that's basically what the book is about and it's like not that much He-Man in it really I mean I think it's um, originally it was supposed to be called uh, we burned He-Man into their pea brains um, <laughs> but I, they, they sales thought it was uh, too uh, like violent a title or something like that even though that was a quote from a Mattel executive. Um, <laughs> That's um, awesome. Um, <laughs> That's awesome in an evil way. It really is. <laughs> <laughs> the book is kind of a response to the um, Netflix documentary, uh, The Toys That Made Us. Oh, uh, yeah. Which was um, not actually not bad, but it's just a very lighthearted, you know, isn't it great? Like, we love nostalgia thing. Meanwhile, like while they're saying like, you know, we were like psychological terrorists on these children. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah I was one of those kids like. Uh... <laughs> yeah, dude. dude, just today at work, I was uh, picking something up and I can't remember what it was, but whatever it was, I sang it to the Crossfire tune. <laughs> um, yeah, my, my wife this week was like. She saw like some TikTok where she's like, oh my God, I saw like part of a commercial from when I was a kid for a toy called Fantastic Flowers and where you like made flowers out of paper or something. I don't know. This is like what, what she had. And uh, I actually kind of remember it when she started, she sang the whole commercial. She remembered it. She was like, Fantastic Flowers. <laughs> <laughs> that stuff that lives in your brain, man. It's yeah. all in there. All that, all of it. And it comes back like that. Yeah. And it feels so good when the nostalgia comes back. Yeah, it does. It's a good feeling. But it's also kind of a sad feeling. It's yeah. like good and sad. It's like, uh, it's almost like uh, I, when I was like a teenager, like, I don't know, or like, whatever, a teenager, let's say, like uh, some girl that I like, you know, didn't like me or whatever it was. You're all heartbroken and you're like listening to sad music on purpose, like yeah. to make yourself more sad. It's kind yeah. of like that. Like That's you're a great way to describe it. Yeah. You're, you're like trying to feel, you're trying to feel, you know, yeah. and it's not bad to feel. I think there's a, uh, there's this great quote. I really got to find out the, the true, uh, who said it and everything, but it was in a John Porcelino King cat, like insert. The guy talking about listening to the music of his youth. And he's like, every time I re-listen to it, I feel like I'm reconnecting with myself. It makes my life feel like fuller. And I hope to redo the, do this again throughout my life for the rest of my life, be able to come back and re-listen to like stuff from my past. And it makes my life feel richer. And, you know, it does. It's, it's hard to argue with that. You know, it's, it's not, I think that like, you know, that's kind of the things that we're looking, all looking for always just to, to feel, we want to feel, but like, there is like, you know, they want, Disney wants you to, to have, they, it's like you're hugging your child and 
Disney wants to like jump right in the middle and stay yeah. there. It's like trying to like trying to talk to a ghost, you know, you're never gonna get that kid back or whatever. It is, uh, it is. Actually, the uh <laughs> the uh when I, before I made this started making uh, the He-Man effect, I made like a zine that's like 10 pages long that uh it, it you know doesn't go into much of the history at all. Obviously, it's like 10 pages, but it's just about like the feeling of nostalgia. It's called the ghost. The ghost of 1985 because it is it's like a ghost it's 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 present it's there but you can't touch it and it's uh it, yeah it is it is it's like a ghost it's like living with a ghost the really weird thing about today is that i right now i'm sit i just moved um back into my childhood home <laughs> and i'm sitting in what? my room where i grew up in and it feels really weird like this is not how it looked by the way well the walls were blue i painted them blue at some point but it wasn't all these comics and shit and it just feels like yeah even sitting here and just like thinking about this it feels very melancholy like i'm happy like i'm i'm doing fine but i feel very like like i am sitting in this sort of like bubble of time where like i'm here but i'm not here like i feel like the ghost here it's weird yeah oh, it, it, it is it's what i'm saying it's a that it's movie a with nicole kidman when she's the ghost oh it? shit the others that's it's uh it's true man it's uh, originally right like the original definition of nostalgia is um it's kind of like homesickness um, it's like, uh, it was like observed that these, uh, I think it was like Roman soldiers, um, or like Swedish soldiers or something like that. Yeah. Swedish. Yep. You said yeah. that. Yeah. They, uh, they couldn't, you know, they, they missed home so badly that they like couldn't fight anymore. And that's like the original term nostalgia. And it's like, it is, it's like, uh, you're, you're, you're missing, you're feeling like a sadness, but a happiness. It's kind of like the same way when you look at, when I look at like a picture of my grandmother and she's like, she died a you know, bunch of years ago. Now I look at her and I'm like, ha- have a happy memory of being with her, but I'm also like sad because she's, you know, not here anymore. And mm-hmm. I think that's a proper place for that emotion for sure. I'm wondering if the proper place for that same emotion is for like the death of a action figure mm. but it's not really the death of an action figure it's it's you're you're like almost mourning your the death of your own self like your past mm. self like because you're yeah, not like that. a chunk of your life yeah yeah it's like you're it's not like if, you're not that person anymore the same feeling is like one of your favorite childhood bands breaking up or one of your favorite actors when to like your favorite movies or whatever passes away or something yeah mm. I actually also had a weird opportunity where when I was a kid, I gave all of my action figures to my little cousin because he didn't have any toys. So I had all the Star Wars figures from the 90s and like I had my Marvel superheroes and stuff and I gave them all and I never expected to see them again. And then like maybe like five or six years ago, I was like, hey, Ryan, do you still have all those toys I gave you? He's like, yeah, they're in a shed somewhere. I'm like, give them to me. Like, <laughs> what do you mean they're in a shed? Like, And I got them all back and it kind of felt like I got a part of myself back in like yeah. the nerdiest way possible. What a gift though. You, you yeah. know, you... Uh- that should be the uh that should be the expected thing like i'll give you all of my toys but t- 20 years from now 
<laughs> Give them. I the want them back. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. And it's not like buy rebuying the toy. You know, it's literally the toy. The like, toy. Oh my god, that would be like a a dream come true. I think because so many people, uh, so many people rebuy toys and stuff that they had. Yeah. Well, so I was in Target a couple weeks ago in the toy section, and I saw these Ninja Turtle figures that I literally had all four of them. And you can open up the shell, and the nin- you can put their weapons in the back. And I was like, dude, what the fuck? I used to have all these, and now they're being sold for like nineteen ninety nine. And I'm like, yeah, oh, man. So I, the, the, that is a new thing, though, right? So like, I remember a couple of years, maybe like five or six years ago, even seeing all these like action figures would be like re-sculpt of He-Man with like eighty trillion different points of articulation, new design, all this different stuff. And I ever seen it being like, I just want the old shit. I like want the old thing. And then when I saw like Walmart and Target and stuff, like just like reproducing like the old shit yeah. exactly, I'm like, they're geniuses. They got it. Yeah. <laughs> they nailed it. Yeah. I did buy it. I did buy the action figure that I know I had when I was a kid. Yeah. Was like, Dude, and, and you know, the, the, the uh, play school and shit has been doing this for a really long time because. There, the toys don't change. Like oh, those yeah, models, like the red are the and same. yellow car that everyone yep. has. Yeah. Yep. So the parents go in. They're like, "Dude, I had this toy. You're getting it." You know, the it's a dumb toy. It looks like a, a vacuum cleaner, but it like pops. Balls yes. Yeah, 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 <laughs> like they have that. Like that's all the same designs and stuff. Yeah, like that's like, like all like, nostalgia. Like, yeah, crazy. Yeah. That didn't even click. Like, see, like, to me, that's just like, oh, yeah, that's just backyard toys. Everyone has backyard toys. That's just <laughs> what they look like. <laughs> no, I mean, like, yeah. It, it, I wonder what the, uh, you know, there's going to be, there's going to be kids that, that are adults, you know, that are going to be buying like Paw Patrol, you yeah. know, <laughs> Thomas the Tank Engine. It's going to happen <laughs> at some point. Uh, well, it's, you know, it, this is that whole nostalgia thing, though, where I'm like, Thomas the Tank Engine is nerdy. <laughs> Do you know anything about like if the actual material back in like the 90s to make toys is is better than the material they use now? Oh no, I mean, I think it's all like plastic and stuff. Anyway, I mean, the thing that I think is very funny is like in the 90s there was a action uh, cartoon called Captain Planet. Yeah, 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 on the planet, you know, and they had the action figures and stuff, and uh, and now I just like think about the Captain Planet action figures that are like part of the giant plastic (laughs) island that's floating in the Pacific. (laughs) 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 You know. all of the toys for real i mean if we really are talking about like wastefulness of plastic and all this stuff toys are like the most cheapest bullshit stuff <laughs> like why do i get stuff for my kids and i'm like this was twenty dollars it's just like the shittiest mold plastic <laughs> like you put like a sticker on it and it looks like kind of like the thing on the box like it's such a scam like it probably cost them like a nickel to like make this and ship it and, and you know a billion dollars to market it uh and it's like you, you feel like cheat like lego toy that lego play-doh toys to me feel the most shitty and the and like the shittiest when when I get that for my kids I'm like this is the the stupid thing the Lego barbershop it's like two <laughs> yeah. pieces of plastic. <laughs> I used to 
I used to love the smell of toys when you would open up a fresh one out of the box. Oh yeah, definitely. I mean, uh, that's part of it. I think like is wanting to, yeah. for me is like wanting to smell the toy. Yeah. I, it, there was a He-Man toy that called Stinkor that was supposed to like smell bad. <laughs> and, uh, the way they made it smell is that they put patchouli oil in the plastic that they molded it out of. That's so funny. So all those, that's why those things will still like maintain a little bit of the scent. It's because it's like part of the toy itself. Patchouli oil. That's so funny that they were like, we're going to make stink or uh, smell like a like hippie. A hippie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Do you remember? Uh, I think it was called Flome. Okay. It, it, was, the, it, was, it was like it was, had like slime with balls in it. Yeah, yes. slime with little balls in it. Yeah, that shit was awesome. Yeah, <laughs> but it lasted like two hours and then yeah. it dried up. Dried out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think a lot of the people uh, too, when they revisit uh, toys of their past, they often get stuff that they didn't have when they were kids, but they wanted really bad. Yeah, I was talking to a dude the other day, a, a radio interview, and the guy told me that like he wanted the um, Voltron lions like so so bad, and it was like so intense that like <laughs> and his parents wouldn't get it for him. That like you know years later he talked to his therapist about like how he, as it was evidence that his parents didn't love him. <laughs> he didn't, they never got him the, the Voltron oh, toy. That was amazing. I mean, and, and that's, I could totally see that. That's like a, a totally intense, unintended consequence of nonstop advertising to children is that they mm. think their parents don't love them if they buy, don't buy them the toy. I mean, that's, oh, no, that's pretty intense. Sure. That, I mean, no, that's, I believe that's that. pretty I remember, I remember once, <laughs> I mean, I was like 10 years old, but uh, you remember that Star Wars trading card game that was essentially like Star Wars Magic the Gathering? Like it played like Magic the Gathering or something I do like remember that. that. Yeah, yeah. I think I still have those. <laughs> so I got a bunch of those. I got really into those when I was a kid. And they came out with like a big, huge, like, deck. And it was the only way to get this one particular card. That's exactly card what I have. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And stuff. <laughs> and I remember as a 10-year-old being like, if I don't get this, literally saying to my mom, I'm like, if I don't get this, I'm not going to be okay. <laughs> <laughs> and she just did. She was like, well, then we're not definitely not getting it. If you feel that strongly. <laughs> yeah. You know, it, it feels like it's a new phenomenon, but really like pretty much everyone is obsessed with something from their childhood. You know, my dad is like 70 one or something like that and you know dude still loves cowboys man like deep down <laughs> he really wants to like be a cowboy, be a cowboy. yeah and like ride a horse whatever like that is just he really really that's his thing man and then like you know there's a certain generation like before mine that like their toy that they all wanted was the evil knievel stunt cycle mm. and like it, it's, it's, it's it's funny because like i after doing this book i like talk to people be like, oh yeah, how old are you? And they'll be like, oh, I'm 53. I'm like, did you have the evil Knievel stunt cycle? He's like, they'll be like, dude, I wish, I wish I had that. Like my neighbor had it. It was awesome, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and, and it's like uh, every everybody has this. Like uh, every generation has these like fads. Um, the other thing I talk about in the book too is how like no, uh, we think of the things we think of as like good representations of things on television for kids, like Sesame Street. 
have a lot of the same marketing to children stuff going on as well. Mm. For one thing, Sesame Street was exempt from the rules in the 70s that didn't allow toy companies or television shows to make toys based on their shows. Sesame Street was allowed to do it. Um, I don't know if it, because it was PBS or if it was just considered a benefit for children or whatever, but they were allowed to do it and they did do it. Um, they opened up Sesame Place in the 80s, which is like, I've, I went there like two or three years ago and it sucks. It yeah. is like the biggest cash grab, like crappiest theme park, like such I've like a... heard of Sesame Place. It's really yeah, bad. It's a piece of shit. I went when I yeah. was a kid. I don't have any memories attached to it though. It's really bad. And then the other thing uh, is that, you know, uh, not that, I mean, next is probably like 20 years ago now. But at some point, Tickle Me Elmo was like the biggest selling toy. Yes, I remember that in the in the country. Yeah. And um, you know, so Sesame Street, you know, kind of right up there with GI Joe in terms of marketing towards children. I mean, yeah, Sesame Street toys are so ubiquitous too. Like, it, yeah, I've, and whatever you see anything else like Sesame Street toothbrushes and shit like that, like everything, everything. Yeah. So they're you know kind of doing the same exact thing and and getting. You know, none of the same flack that Disney gets. Hmm. Interesting. Like, I mean, it's just more like uh, crazy to think about how susceptible to manipulate. Because, like, all of these mega corps—they're—that's just all what they're doing, and it's crazy. Dude, I remember seeing Indian in the cupboard. Yeah, and becoming like almost. Like, kind of like how you were saying, Cody, like, you're not going to be okay. I was like, the fact that this isn't a real thing almost breaks yeah. my fucking heart. <laughs> <laughs> I was like a teenager when I saw that. I was like blown up by it. Like, yeah, I like literally was like putting toys inside my cabinet and being like praying they would come to life. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I loved toys. I still do. I, I collect a lot of toys, to be honest. Oh, I have a bunch of stuff I collect too. I mean, I think there, I think there's stuff that's so cool. Like, you know, that I just wish that I had more place to display them and yeah. like ways to display it. And this one dude to- said that he, he's compared like the getting of the, your toys from your life and, and, uh, setting them up all around your room and is kind of the same thing as, um, what pharaohs would do, like, with their, <laughs> <laughs> like put all their things from their life and their, in their, uh, you know, and their, uh, where they, where they're dead, you know, like to, to take with them in the afterlife, you know, you're building your own tomb like around yourself with the, with this stuff. Um, it's not, he's not too far off. I mean, like it, it is, it's kind mm-hmm. of like you're in a way, this stuff, is like the photographs that people put on their walls and stuff. Um, yeah. You know, you want to walk in and feel, feel like the, the same feelings that, you know, kind of when you look at photographs of your family and memories and, you know, if I, whenever I look at old photographs, I'm often looking at the stuff in them. Like when I look at pictures from the seventies, I'm like, man, look at the mm. beer bottles look so weird back then. Like look at their clothes and, um, you know, that and, and having your stuff around, it's not that different from 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 you know surrounding yourself with your memories, yeah, of your I, life. I want, I want people to look at my my collection 
how like someone shows off a nice cellar of wine. <laughs> like, oh, exactly. you have the limited edition Funko Pop of Reptar. I see. <laughs> a true man of taste. <laughs> we, uh, that's funny. I, I sometimes like want to be a super completist about the stuff, but. I don't know. I always like start collecting, collecting and getting a bunch of the stuff and then slow down before I ever actually buy all the toys. Like I have battle beasts, but not all of them. Like I don't want to get them all because like, then what do I like look for? You know, (laughs) I have to find some other thing. I think our generation, especially, I mean, I don't, I don't know how old you are. I don't want to ask. I feel like that's, (laughs) but but like Pokemon was such a gotta catch them all, gotta catch them all, like and that song, and then yeah. in your head, I, it's still in my head every so often. I'll just randomly think, gotta and catch them all. You have to buy two games, red and blue, and, right? Yeah. Trade doubles if you're really they, into they collecting all the cards. Yeah. I, when Pokemon came out, I bought anything Pokemon cards, Same. toys. They had really good toys, but they didn't at first. I don't know if you remember that. I don't think they were ready for how popular it was. Like I remember the only thing you could get were like these um clear plastic balls from Toys R Us and they had like the tiniest Pokemon inside of it. Yeah, that's like all they yeah. had. That was so big at that I was like maybe 20 when that or like 19 when that came out. Or maybe even 18. And uh I remember like, you know, we were all like working these summer jobs. Like I had these two friends that were like doing uh drywall and shit. And they got up really early and they would both watch Pokemon at like yeah. six o'clock in the morning before <laughs> they're like drywall job. job. <laughs> <laughs> Pokemon was good. It was. It was good. I mean, it's still around. I mean, it's, you yeah, know, yeah. like uh, something else entirely. See, for me as a kid, especially like in the 90s, it was probably dominated heavily by. A combination of uh, Batman toys, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, and Power Rangers. What were your big toys? So He Man. What else? Um, so Transformers and GI Joe. Nice. nice. And um, uh, I Thundercats. Nice. I also was. Uh, I, you know, I had a lot of the lesser. Uh, you know, there was those were just like three of like a hundred. Um, so there was like so many toy companies like and tv shows doing this exact same thing um there's this great property called the inhumanoids that i was really really loved oh yeah i was scared of it when i was a kid like it, the the first episode was frightening to me as a child <laughs> watching it um but the toys were cool it was like they had like figure these like the, the guys that were like figures but the guys they fought were like these huge gnarly looking monsters with like teeth that were so scary uh they were that was awesome but i had like one guy of that when i was a kid and um you know thundercats i had like a handful of them i remember i had sectars this was like sectars was uh this thing where like they were bug people like hmm. it was like human bug hybrid people that fought each other and they had these like giant bug vehicles but like it was really cool. Like it was like a glove you put on and then like uh, the, your hand was like the bug's legs. And like up here, the dude, the figure sat like on the giant bug. That's cool. Um, that was like kind of cool. They all had like giant play sets. 
Like I, I remember, like the hive was like as tall as I was. The hive, it was called, like their the, their base. <laughs> the <hive>. um, <laughs> it's like Mighty Max. Remember Mighty Max? Oh, it was yeah, Mighty, Mighty Max. So it was Mighty Max. Mighty Ma- yeah, yeah, I remember. Mighty but Mighty Max was like the boy, the boys' answer to Polly Pocket. Polly Pocket, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Yes. So which was honestly like those are those are cool toys. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I love those. <laughs> um, anything that's like little like that is kind of awesome. And and uh. There was just there were so many. There's just like so many cool toys from back yeah. then because there were so much, so many people making them, and they to- so many fell apart after like <laughs> six months. You know, yeah. they like went full throttle, make like 24 episodes of a show, produce like five different figures, packaging and everything, and then like burn out in like three or four months, like you know something like that, or like make all these toys and the TV show like never airs. You know, all that type of stuff. See, I used to try and buy a lot of like video game toys because some of them were like really hard to get and so cool, specifically like the Crash Bandicoot toys were like really top notch quality and they were like heavy and nice, dense vinyl and plastic. They didn't have that when I was when I was a kid, like Nintendo wasn't making toys or anything at all yet. Mm. There was like no Nintendo co branding, like at all. Oh, there was Nintendo cereal. <laughs> I remember, <laughs> um, <laughs> but like Nintendo Power was like the the well, only thing we got, Power. which is great. It's another thing that I would go back and buy Nintendo oh, Powers yeah. magazines. Power is a solid magazine. Yeah. Damn, I might still have some of those. I, I know I have somewhere in my house. somewhere. Yeah, I mean, I poured over magazines when I was a kid, like before the internet. Um, like I would have, I had subscriptions to like Nintendo Power and WWE Magazine. Yes, oh, that yeah. was awesome. And like when we would go to like the supermarket with my pet mom, I'd be like, "All right, you go buy the food. I'm gonna hang out by these magazines. I would, <laughs> I would like read the magazine, read every magazine. You, yeah, I'd be like, some of them would be like in a plastic bag, and be, yes. I'd be like, "All right, well, I'm just gonna rip this open and read it. I'm like, and just put it back, and no one will know. And uh, I would read like all the all the video game things and like write down or like try to remember that the cheat codes and stuff like that. And, yeah. and, 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 but the wrestling magazines too, like they have like these big, like not WWE magazine. Like I'm talking about like the wrestler and it yeah. had like these like cheap looking photos of all these old wrestlers <laughs> and like, and like, especially back then, like there was regional wrestling and like, I didn't know anything about it. Like all we had was WWE and WCW, but there was like, yeah, all this other shit, and it'd be like in the magazine. I'd be like, "What the hell is UWF? Where's that? How do they watch? How do they watch that?" Uh, yeah. Um. Well, thanks so much for coming on, everybody. Check out uh, Brian Brown's book. Um. Fucking. I'm so sorry. I'm stoned. It's called He Man Effect. He Man Effect. He Man Effect. How American Toy Makers Sold You Your Childhood. It's that came out today, actually, and uh, so oh, it's yeah. it's out. And uh, did honestly, you plan it to come out around the same time as like the Barbie movie? And no. Stuff? So I was I, so that so this is just a uh, I want to say that's a coincidence, but actually, like if you guys read the book, like it pretty much says predicts that like this shit is going to happen forever. So right, like, yeah. so like I was worried cause it, it, it got delayed. The release got delayed a, a while. Like it was supposed to come out before my Putin book and my Putin book came out first. 
And I had finished this before I even started making the Putin book. So this has been on the shelf for a while waiting to come out. Mm. And I was like, uh, like, uh, what's going to happen? What if all this stuff changes? But it's like just been falling into place. Like, because like, yeah, the Barbie movie's out. But like Mattel also released like a had an article in New York Times where they're they're gonna release like a whole slew of Mattel movies and they're yeah, gonna have thirty five or something. Yeah, like that. and they want to have oh, them shit. have like uh, prestige directors now. Like, I mean, it, it, it's not dumb. I mean, their their audience is getting older, um, and why not? If you're gonna appeal to nostalgia, why not appeal? Give them direct the directors that. <laughs> the adults like actually like yeah. um, it's kind of crazy but I see stuff all the time now and I'm like oh there's the He-Man effect right there like I got advertised like the, the co-branding with like these really expensive sunglasses that like slightly kind of looked like a stormtrooper and it was like Star Wars times like whatever some brand I never heard of that's like really expensive sunglasses <laughs> and it's like yeah the Star Wars fans have shit loads of money now and they're just like, you know, they're Star Wars branded cars and things like that. Like, yeah. 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 Anyhow. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks so much for having me on. I'm, I no, yeah, this is awesome. awesome. And yeah. like, honestly, super interesting. Yeah. Hey, there's the book right here. Uh, yeah. So check it out. Check it out. And and also, I might as well also plug my weed comic strip as oh, long yeah. as we're here. Uh, please. Uh, Legalization Nation comes out every Tuesday on my social media outlets, which used to just be Instagram and Twitter and is now threads, threads. Instagram, uh, blue and blue sky and Twitter. Um, <laughs> this morning I was like posting it. I'm like, blah, 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 blah. like 8 billion different sites. So, and also it's also on my Patreon and it runs also on comicskingdom.com and it is in the newspaper in Arizona. Oh, shit. The, uh, I want to say Tempe Weekly, Phoenix. We got to ask awesome. Austin. We have a friend out in Arizona. <laughs> yeah, uh, I do have people sometimes see it in the in the paper there and uh, and send send it to me. Nice. But I, I've only seen it like once. <laughs> oh, the Tucson Weekly. I'm sorry. Tucson, Tucson Weekly. Weekly. There we go. Okay. All yeah. Right. Brian, thank you so much. Thank you this so much. Really a blast. Yeah, You're welcome thank back you. anytime to talk weed, talk anything. Uh, thanks, man. <laughs> thanks for having me on, guys. Good hanging out. Uh, it was Later. awesome. Have Later. a great one. Later. Hi, you're listening to Comics and Chronic, and I'm Jacob H. I'm Cody Cannon. And I'm Anthony Iannaccio. And you can tune in every Thursday to hear new episodes of Comics and Chronic. And make sure to follow us on Instagram and Twitter, at Comics and Chronic. That's Comics, the letter N, Chronic. We'll see you guys next week. Woo! Peace.